Guess who's back? Back again. My bookie's back. Tell a friend. That's right, DJs. Proud to say that we're once again being brought to you by my bookie. But just because they weren't paying us doesn't mean we haven't been giving them some love. I still use my bookie to this date, and you should too. Why? Because March is about to get crazy. Insane. Maybe even a little mad. If you're still on the hunt for a sportsbook to call home, bet the nonstop action of March Madness with my bookie. Enter bracket contests for a chance to take home prizes of up to 25,000 big ones, or pick from a huge selection of straight bets, props, and odds boosts. Whatever your style, my bookie makes it easy to play your way and get paid. Sign up now, take advantage of their generous welcome offer to score a massive first deposit bonus up to $1,000. All you have to do is use the promo code DEGENS, that's D-E-G-E-N-S, but the fun doesn't stop there. Get up-to-the-minute odds, free bets, and expert predictions to help you decide who to put your money on. The best part about MyBookie, you can bet on anything, anytime, anywhere. Use the promo code DEGENS to secure your limited-time welcome bonus today. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Absolute sports betting degeneracy. Hey everybody, Arch here, and I've got my man, the honorary degen, Rich from Guaranteed Tip Sheet. What's going on, Rich? Hey, Arch, how you doing? Still celebrating? Hungover from the uh, Chiefs? Oh yeah, oh yeah, can't stop, can't stop. <laughs> man, good, good call on the Chiefs. You called, you called the uh, the Chiefs 49ers matchup, and then you said Chiefs are going to take it, and and you were right, both counts, Rich. It didn't feel that way, you know, nine minutes left to go in the game. <laughs> it didn't. It didn't at all, but they did. They did it. So, whew, very good. And, Rich, I also got to give you credit. We got paid with those Vegas or those Pegasus plays, man. That was awesome. Yeah, you know, we talked a little bit about in our first conversation about jockeys uh, not carrying horses over the finish line. And, uh, and Shaky Shabazz, which I said was my favorite pick of that day, ended up finishing fourth. Uh, they might not be able to carry a horse over the finish line, but they can certainly stop it from getting there first. That was mm-hmm. one of the worst rides I've seen. Horse wanted to go, and the jockey was holding them back to save a little bit, um, I guess, for the last part of the race. And when the jockey wanted to let him go, the horse said, well, you didn't want me to run before, so I'm not going to run now either. So he definitely kind of screwed that one up, I thought. And then he ran up on another horse and had to check it, so... You know, jockey might not be able to carry the horse across the finish line, but he sure as heck can uh, make it more difficult for him to get there first. <laughs> Just if you can, real quick, what something we can kind of look at? You know, I'm a total, I'm a total noob here. Uh, how can I tell if a jockey is hurting the performance of the horse? What's is there some indicators or like, obviously you well, can see it easy. Well, typically, what you want to look at what I what I look at is the horse's typical running style. Mm-hmm. And then, so if a horse like Shaky Shabazz is usually on the on the lead, and then you see the horse not taking the lead in a race where he has a clear lane to take the lead like he did in the uh, Pegasus races. He had the, you know, he was the one horse on the rail, and you can just see the jockey kind of sitting back on the seat a little bit, pulling back on the reins to prevent them from really just taking off. Mm. 
And then when he got up on the horse, you know, they lean forward uh, a little bit more on the horse, and you'll see them kind of shaking the reins when they want him to go, and their hands are moving. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's when you know they want the horse to run, you know, the yah yah like you see in the old Western movies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so when he asked the horse to go, the horse did run, but he had so much energy left in him that he ran right up on the car, the horse right in front of him, like, you know, like a, like a person who stopped short in front of you in traffic. And then he had hit the brakes real quick again. So it's really difficult for a horse to be told, you can't go. Now let's go. Oh, crap, we got to stop because we're going to hit another horse. And now let's go again. And, you know, that's the kind of run that, you know, even if you have the best horse, it's going to be next to impossible to, to hit the finish line first when you're stopping and going. Like if you're in uh, traffic here in Chicago on one of the major highways during rush hour. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. Okay, cool. That's good to know. It's something to look for. I'm going to keep an eye out for that. So we wanted to cover a lot of ground today. Where did you want to start? Are we starting in Las Virgenes? Well, we can start there. That's the um, the race at Santa Anita that is a qualifying race for the Kentucky Oaks, which is the female version of the Kentucky Derby. So run the Friday before the uh, Kentucky Derby, which is the first Saturday in uh, in May, as everybody knows. Mm-hmm. So that's a uh, it's the uh, fifth race. It's a grade two race for $200,000 for three-year-old fillies. Mm-hmm. It's a nice way to say young girls. And they're going to run a mile on uh, the Santa Anita's main dirt track. And the key here really is um, speed, which is going to be the theme for the entire day of the races we cover. But at a mile on, uh, on Santa Anita's main track, you better be pretty fast out of the gates and all the way to the wire. So far, they've had uh, at the current meet, uh, one-mile races. There have been 22 of them. And I think like 17 or 18 of them have been won by horses that are labeled speed. So those are horses that are usually first, second, or third out of the gate. And then of that, nine of the 22 winners have led from gate to wire. So you, it, it definitely favors speed horses. So uh, looking at the field, you know, there's only five horses in the field. And unfortunately, there's really only one what I would call true front runner. That's Venetian Harbor. Uh, she's the four horse, and she's a really heavy morning line favorite at two to five. Two to five, I see that. Uh, yeah, that's you know that's you can't really make money with that, right? Because it's, you have to bet five to make two. Mm-hmm. And uh, of course, if it's horse racing, and if something goes wrong, like a jockey decides not to let her go um, right off the get go to see how she fares, uh, you know, trying to take the lead from a horse in front of her down the lane. You know, kind of like a pitcher in Major League Baseball working on a pitch during spring training, throwing that slider over and over and over again. Uh, you know, jockeys do the same sort of thing sometimes with their horses to see how they react under different circumstances, especially with these strong horses that they intend to enter into, you know, highly competitive races for big money. They're not always going to be able to get the lead against the competitive field, so that you kind of want to train them to be able to run a couple different ways. Uh, in our last race, she got out of the gate first. And just ran away from a field of eight, winning by 10. So she definitely looks like the strongest horse in the field because she's most likely the fastest out of the gate. Highly unlikely in a field of five that anybody is going to get the lead in front of her. And if so, it won't be more than by a neck or a nose. But what you got to do with this type of race is you got to look for value to kind of fit behind her in, the, uh, in an exacto or a trifecta or maybe in a backdoor exacto, which is when you put the favorite second. Uh, and put some other horse in front of it just in case there's an upset. Some horse runs the race of its life. Right, right. So so what I'm looking for is a horse that 
you know, has a chance at decent odds, and there's some message within the uh, past performance that kind of stands out to me. So the horse I've kind of singled out to be possible, you know, to be the possible upsetter is a gingham, which is the two horse mm-hmm. trained by Bob Baffert. And of course, any Bob Baffert horse is one that you have to consider. But beyond that, uh, the jockey is uh, Drayden Van Dyke. He's one of the leading jockeys out of Santa Anita. And in a way, if you look at the um, past performances, he's handicapped the race for players as well. He's also, uh, he also rode the number five horse, Stellar Sound, in the last race, and two out of three of Stellar Sound's horses, I mean races. It's another horse trained by Baffert. So my guess is that uh, Van Dyke had a, a, a chance to ride either one of these horses. He had to pick one. So he picked um, Gingham, which tells you which horse the jockey, who has ridden both of them, feels like has a better chance to uh-huh. win. All right. So, I mean, if you're a jockey, you get paid, right? It's a percentage of the um, of the of the prize money. So you're going to pick the horse that you think has the best chance to win. So he popped on to uh, Gingham. So I think that's a horse that could upset. Comes from off the pace a little bit more. So he should be running third, maybe fourth, when the race gets started, chasing the leaders around the track. But he has made up ground in um, in you know three of a four, three of his five races late. And uh, three of his uh, six races late, and he's got uh, two wins and three seconds in six lifetime starts. If the if the track is fast, he has two wins in three seconds. He's never finished out of the money on a fast track. So I would suspect if anybody's going to upset the favorite Venetian Harbor, I give it uh, Gingham the, uh, the top spot at that opportunity uh, because the. You know, Drayden Van Dyke is kind of pointed to a pointed us in that direction. I like that, man. I like that a lot. So you still think do a, like an exacta? You don't think a, or a trifecta? We don't. You don't think we should just place a win bet on Gingham just as like a hail mary? You know, I think you could put it on there as a win bet. Yeah, that's why I would you know, recommend like a an exacta box. That way, if there is an upset, you get that back door. And many times those back door exactas because everybody's putting the two to five favorite on the top of the uh, exacta ticket. So if she finishes second, um, you know, gets DQ'd. There's a couple of reasons why she could finish second, but um, if she were to finish second, that kind of gives you a bloated exacta payout uh, with the right horse on top. So, yeah, you could, you know, you could do a win bet with Gingham, followed up maybe with an exacta where you put Venetian Harbor on top of Gingham. Mm-hmm. And that way, whichever way it comes in, right. um, you you know you can collect. Nice, I like it. Very cool. All right, where else are we heading to this weekend? Well, you're going to drive about three thousand miles east to Tampa Bay, where there's <laughs> another race uh, that's a Kentucky Oaks qualifier. That's the Sun Coast Stakes. It's the ninth race. They're going to run a hundred, one mile and forty yards on uh, Tampa's main track, and like the. Um, the race at Santa Anita, you know, the winning horse gets 10 qualifying points for the Kentucky Oaks. And you have to earn your way into that race by, uh, you know, collecting these points. And the top horses that collect these points along the path to the uh, Oaks and the Derby are the ones that actually hit the starters gate that uh, Saturday and uh, that Friday and Saturday in May. Uh, and this race, it's a little bit more wide open. There is uh, the, the comical is the morning line favorite, I believe, is the five horse at three to one. And uh, she's a little bit of an up and down horse. 
and she does have the again the um, the, the racing style that fits the bias here. Uh, Tampa, much like Santa Anita, at the distance and surface, is another race where speed horses win. A seventy percent of the fifty races, well, there's been forty nine of them, but seventy percent of them have been won by speed horses. And at the first call, the winner's average position is second, and at the second call, first. So the horses that get out of the gate one, two, probably have the best chances to win. I see three horses that can get out of the gate early and uh, try to lead them from the from you know the, from from the gate to the wire. Mm-hmm. And then number one is Luck Riza or Loose Riza. I'm not quite sure how they pronounce that, but that's the uh, the rail horse. And um, she gets out to the gate. She gets out pretty fast. She's uh, got two wins in her four lifetime starts, and she missed once on the turf. Um, which is uh, you know, her lone trip out of the money. And she's also on the fast dirt, has a one win and a second in two tries. Mm. So I expect her to be up near the lead right out of the gates and try to uh, run around the track and, and, and take the title. She's trained by Arnaud Delacour, who happens to win at, the, at about 33% the first time he takes his horse to a route, which is defined as a, as a mile or more. So I, I think she has a good shot at... Um, you know, taking the crown here uh, and decent odds. Um, there's another horse that has some speed. It's 260, which is our pick, at least uh, for, you know, to, 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 to win this race. And the reason is, if you remember, we talked in some earlier uh, conversations about improved fractions is one of the angles we like to look at. Uh, in her last race, she ran seven furlongs, uh, which is seven eighths of a mile. Mm-hmm. In the race prior to that, she ran six furlongs. So, she added a furlong or an eighth of a mile in her most recent race. Despite running a longer race, she ran faster half mile and three quarter mile times. In fact, she ran her best half and three quarter mile times ever. And uh, many times when you see horses improve their fractions like that, it's a sign that they're getting into shape uh, and into peak shape. So I have found that uh, over and over and over and over again, horses that do that, have a fantastic race next time out. She might not win. She's six to one morning line on, so she's clearly not the favorite to win this race. But I think she's definitely going to put in a good effort based upon those improved fractions. And uh, we'll have, you know, she'll be up on the up on or near the lead. I expect her to be on the lead out of the gates and have a chance to take advantage of that speed bias. Now the favorite comical, you know, she's won uh, at a high level. She ran. Um, nothing but grade ones and grade twos and grade threes since breaking her maiden at Santa Anita, but she's a little bit hot and cold. So not when she's on the lead dangerous. If she doesn't get the lead early, you know, she can fall apart. In her last race, for example, she got out of the gate six of nine, finished seven, 25 lengths behind the winner. <laughs> um, so the race before that, she got out of the gates in uh, grade one at Santa Anita and finish second by a neck to a great horse, Bast, which is uh, one of the favorites to win the Kentucky Oaks. So uh, how she starts will determine how she finishes. So if she gets out quick, she's really dangerous. If she doesn't, um, I suspect that she could run into some trouble late in the race. And and that's why, you know, I lean uh, to one of the two longer shots, the one or the, uh, the three, 260, as the horses that could get to the finish line first. 
I like it. So, okay. Just as a jockey and horse maintenance, if, if, if you, if, if it's over, like if you, if comical doesn't get a good start, the jockey knows it's over. Do they, do they push the horse or do, at all? Do they just kind of let it, you know, just, it doesn't matter. This is over. We wave the white flag. We're not going to push the horse very hard at all. Well, I think it depends on why they get off to a bad start. So mm-hmm. if the horse, if he feels like the horse maybe, um, you know, might've hurt himself or took a bad step, then, uh, you know, they're going to pull up right away because they want to protect the horse. They obviously there was a lot of um, news and, you know, a lot of attention being paid when all those horses were being right. put down in Santa yeah. Anita. Yeah. So everybody's really, you know, aware of the uh, the health of the horse. And they, they've always been. I've been around, you know, the track and trainers for many, many years. And, and the ones I've known and met have always put the health of the horse uh, high on the priority list, you know, at number one in the jockey as well. Last thing you want is a horse breaking down, falling down on the jockey and having two people die at the track, right? That's uh, no, that's, right. that's really bad publicity. So... But if, if the horse just got off to a slow start, you know, its head was turned in the gate or it just didn't respond right away, they're going to try to push that horse up. And you'll see a horse that, you know, usually takes the lead, that gets a little bit of a slow start. They'll rush the horse up and you'll be like, oh, whew, thank God he's back in the race. But inevitably, you know, he'll he'll lose uh, some steam, tire out because he burned up a lot of energy trying to catch back up and then fade late. It really takes something uh, truly exceptional in terms of talent for a horse to get off to a, a bad start that's usually up in front and then you know, drag race to the front, pass everybody like, uh, you know, somebody trying to get the last TV uh, on a Black Friday sale. <laughs> um, but you know, over and over and over again, you know, in the last eighth of a mile or so, you'll see those horses just fade hard. So, okay. you know, just to leave you hanging at the, at the wire again. Mm. But I, I think it really depends on how and why the horse got off to a bad start. Okay. Okay. So that's a uh, sun coast. W- what else do we want to hit on Tampa Bay? Yeah. The, um, the, the, that was the, uh, so now we're talking about the Sam F Davis. State Sam F Davis. At, yes. Uh, yeah. Bay. Uh-huh. So that race, uh, is the, I think the, the 11th race. 11th race. Bay. I see it. Yep. I got it up. Yep. Uh, so that's for the boys and they're competing for, uh, their Kentucky Derby qualifying points. And this field is headlined by Independence Hall. And Independence Hall currently sits as the second favorite to win the Kentucky Derby in 2020 at 10 to 1 odds, only behind the Tisba Law that has futures odds of 8 to 1. So the future, the second futures pool has opened up. And if you really like a horse that's not in the field, you know, so they have, I think, in the Kentucky Derby futures pool, there are currently 24 or 23 horses available, uh, individual horses. And then the 24th option is all of the three-year-olds at five to two. So if you really like a horse right now to win the Derby, say you like Independence Hall or you like Thousand Words or you, you like um, the uh, Maxfield, which has been off the break, now is the time to bet them because you're going to get at least eight to one odds. And many of them, like Maxfield, which was the the, uh, the leading contender a couple months ago, is 15 to one. On Derby Day, you're not going to get 15 to one on Maxfield. You're just not. He'll probably be four to five, um, four to five, four to five to one, something along those lines, and or maybe the favorite at five to two, depending upon how he races uh, coming back to the track. So now would be the time to go ahead and, and make those bets. In a perfect time to use our. Um, 
or a fetching cal- uh, um, calculator because you could pick three or four of them and you're still probably going to get a, a payout that is higher than if you just bet a horse to win at the Derby. Very the cool. favorite anyway. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, I'm looking at the futures. Rich, you don't have to tell me. And we can edit this out. Who do you <laughs> should is there a is there a horse we, we should be playing for the future pool? Well, I you know I kind of do like Maxfield, and I also like Independence Hall, um, who's running again in the uh, Sam F. Davis Stakes and is likely to win that race. He's run three times, hasn't been challenged yet. The closest horse to him at the finish line was four lengths behind. So you're going to get a uh, he, he should get challenged to the, um, this Saturday. I think that Premier Star, who's three to one, is another horse that's run twice, and um, he's won both. But he's stepping up big time in in, in terms of the quality of opponent. Uh, he's been out in front of every race, so Premier Star also fits the uh, profile of uh, speed needed to win at Tampa Bay. Uh, but as far as the futures are concerned, I, I do like Maxfield. I do like Independence Hall. I think that that um, those two horses have uh, shown that they're high quality and have what it takes to beat uh, a really high quality field. They both um, have, if you remember at the Derby lately, the speed has been the, you know, the, the winner uh, last, last year, maximum, maximum security led the way from gate to wire. I wouldn't be surprised to see the same thing happen this year, which would give the edge uh, between those two horses to independence hall because it is a front runner. Whereas Maxfield so far has come from off the pace. So that's a good way to, to barbell it, to bookend it, because you got a speed horse if speed holds up. And, you know, in every Kentucky Derby race, there's some horse that's way back that is flying late that the announcer's getting all excited about as they approach the wire. And I think that horse is likely to be Maxfield. If you're looking for like a shot that, uh, you know, I think the, the the horse that's listed as number one, an hour D order, I think that's a horse that could also upset at the Derby. Usually rates right off the, the the leader, so he'll be up front with tactical speed, and uh, won, her, won his first race by eight lengths, and he finished second in his next two length, in his next two races um, by a neck and by a head. So he's not been beaten badly by anybody. Uh, so I'd expect he'll put in a good performance as well come Derby Day if he should qualify. All right. So there you have it. So for the um, for the Sam F. Davis. You know, I do think Independence Hall is the class of the field. I would also um, perhaps use them in a trifecta with Premier Star. If you're looking for a little bit of shot to kind of um, fatten the fatten up the um, trifecta payout, maybe the three-horse Albert Park. It's, it's kind of interesting to me because his horse has run four races so far, and he's run on every kind of surface imaginable. He's run on a synthetic track mm, at Arlington yeah. Park yeah. and at Pre-Esquile Downs. He's run on turf at Delmar, and in his last race, he ran at Tampa on regular dirt. So this is a horse that seems like it can run over any surface, and he's run pretty well except for his turf run. Turf run, yeah, six. Yeah, six. So apparently he doesn't like that one. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But he won his two all-weather or synthetic races and finished second um, in his first race since December 1st. So... You know, he he should show some improvement in the second race. Last time, he made a big jump in terms of his speed rating in his second from his first race to his second race. So this time out, he ran his top speed figure. If he improves, 
um, you know, the same sort of improvement. He could run in the low to mid nineties on a speed figure, which would put him right in, um, you know, right in the top contenders list. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, that could put him third in that 15 to one odds. If he happens to hit second or third in a, an exact or a trifecta, or maybe even win, that's going to, you know, put you into payouts that should be in the hundreds of dollars. Um, maybe not if independence all wins, but if you finish a second, you know, maybe you get a, for a $2 trifecta, hundred bucks, which wouldn't be bad if you have a, what's likely to be a four to five or three to five favorite in independence all win. Okay. Gotcha there. What about no, uh, this is the long shot. I know 20 to one, but no getting over, over me. He's looks like he's raced Tampa Bay the last, what, three races. I mean, he's gone one, mm-hmm. two, three. I mean, so he's, maybe he's trending down, you know, as far as his finishes go, but that's Gerald. Uh, that's uh, or no Sammy Camacho, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. I don't know if he's a good trainer there or not. Well, you got uh, Gerald, Gerald Bennett. Gerald Bennett, my, my bad. Yeah, yeah, he's the, uh, he's, the, he's the jockey who you know is the top one of the top jocks down mm-hmm. there. Um, what I don't like is that um, we, we talked a little bit about fractions and so forth and the way horses finish up races. And he's backed up um, in his last race, and he kind mm-hmm. of flattened out in the race before. So mm-hmm. I like to see horses that don't, you know, w- w- down the stretch. They're either holding firm, so if they're on the lead, they're able to hold the lead, and if they're not on the lead, that they're you know they're chasing the horses down. And in this case, you know he's basically not been able to chase down horses at the hundred thousand dollar and hundred twenty five thousand non graded stakes level. So I think mm-hmm. he'll have a really difficult time trying to chase down better horses at a, at a higher level. Okay. Okay. So he can beat up on weaker competition, but this is, I got you. Right. So yeah. if you, if, if you want a horse that, you know, kind of can come on at the end, probably the two horse, Sol Volante, you look at his numbers, he ran a hundred speed figure in the first time on the dirt at Gulfstream park after two races on the, on the turf. So he's, you know, so he's got that triple digit speed figure, which is, uh, you know, always pops off the, uh, you know, the past performances. And if you look in his last three races, he's closed ground late in every race. So he's likely to be one that's coming forward pretty fast. My only concern is sometimes when a horse comes off a break, and and this is why I didn't put him in my top four picks, I don't believe. Sometimes when a horse comes off uh, a rest and hits the track and pops up a, um, you know, a really high speed figure in his first or second effort, <clears throat> that, that can be like the peak. And so many times the race afterwards, they call it a bounce. You know, he doesn't run at the same level. You'll see that 100 speed figure maybe drop below the prior figure, which was 95. And in which case, if that happens, if he bounces, you know, he could finish you know, out of the money. So that's the reason why I didn't put him in the top. Yeah, because these young horses like this, they, they're they very unpredictable. In, um, and when you see their speed numbers, you know, take a big jump forward. Uh, you know, a lot of times I do find that that's, you know, the peak of the cycle. I want to see him do it again um, before I'm saying, okay, this horse is, you know, that number is that horse. Otherwise I found more often than not, that's, you know, the, the, the top of their range. I gotcha. Okay, cool. Good to know. Good to know, man. We covered a lot of ground. Is there anything else we need to know about or no, nah, next week we got some more big races um, at fairgrounds, you know, and I think we're, you know, planning on talking about that. Yeah. It's the first real big Kentucky Derby um, qualifying race where the winner gets 50 points. So essentially the winner of the Risen Star Stakes at fairgrounds next weekend 
is going to be locking a spot in for the 2020 Kentucky Derby. So you're going to see some really big name horses, probably the highest quality, um, at least at this point, three-year-olds in that field looking to lock up a spot so that the trainer then has the luxury of, um, you know, running that horse uh, on a schedule to his preference versus forcing a horse maybe in the races a little bit early so they can get enough points to qualify. So it'll definitely give the horse that wins that race the advantage of the training schedule that the trainer actually wants to employ heading into the derby. So that's a really big one. Uh, and even the horse that finishes second gets 30 points, I believe. So that horse too is likely to, to qualify, especially if it already has, you know, five or six or 10 or 15 points on the board. Uh, so that also gives the second place horse the luxury of, you know, the preferred training schedule. Man. Cool. A lot of pressure. I like it. I really like it. Well, cool. Yeah, well, yeah. pressure makes pipes or breaks pipes or makes diamonds, right? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. All right, man. Oh, uh, Rich, I can't thank you again so much. You you drop so much knowledge on us. And, you know, if you want more knowledge, all the races, it's a guaranteed tip sheet, right? You got it. Excellent. And use that dutching calculator and let's look at those uh, those uh, wager pools uh, for Kentucky Derby. Yeah, man. The future pool number two, yep. If you definitely like a horse for the Derby, I would play it now because you're not going to get whatever odds are in the futures pool on Derby Day. The favorite's probably going to be two to one. You know, if it's a strong favorite, maybe six to five. Whereas you can bet it now, you know, the maximum, the, the lowest odds you're going to get right now on Tis the Law uh, are eight to one. So you, know, you can get eight times the odds or four times the odds at least right now. That's really cool. All right, Rich. Thanks again, man, so much. You got it, Arch. Look forward to the next conversation. Yeah, me too. Take care. Information on this podcast may not be construed to offer any kind of investment advice or recommendations. Under no circumstances will the owner-operators of this podcast be held responsible for damages related to its contents. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.